Now, now we are live. We are officially live. Claudia, call in. Yeah, if she hits the, uh, it might look like a, uh, what'd you guys say? It looked like a lounge chair or something. Yeah, it was like a lounge chair. On your app. All right, so I'm 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 just waiting for Claudia, correct? Yep. Okay. Yeah, we're just waiting for her. She's gonna actually call in as a guest on the show to get on the show. Hey, everybody, okay. uh everybody that's in the room, uh, we want to say hi to everybody. Hey, what's up, Rosie? Uh, we're just getting rolling here. We're just trying to uh you know figure out how to get Dr. Feldman and oh there we go. There's Claudia. All righty. It's going to take a while. And hi. she's live. Oh, hi there, Claudia. You sound great. I sound good? Uh, yeah. Right, now we have, uh, yeah. we have to figure out how to get Dr. Feldman on. Are you going to call him in? Yeah, we I got, think he's on right now. He's here. He is. Yeah. Dr. Feldman. Hello, Dr. Feldman. Th- this is our this is our customary. <laughs> <laughs> So this is not odd to me. I'm accustomed uh, to this. Did you lose him? No, I don't think so. Hold on, let me see. Hello. Hello. Yeah, he's not he's not on the phone. He's not actually on the phone. Hello, Dr. Feldman. Call him up. Yeah, I'll send yeah. him a text. Yeah. Sorry, I'm gonna get this. Um No, this is like the first time we're trying to do more than one. Right. So yeah. hopefully It'll everybody work. Uh, doesn't jump ship and leave right now yeah. right well stick around, <laughs> folks stick around there's more to come he'll have to, yeah everybody he's gonna have to call in he'll figure this out no, i tried to i'm here all see? right see okay there. good all right so doctor so he has to turn off any background um sound anything dr feldman if you're driving just pull over so we don't have any I'm, feedback I'm over right now okay good all right, all right. All right, I'm going to let you guys start off the show. Go ahead. Oh, okay. Hey, welcome I'm, to- God, I'm demanding. I'm demanding. You are. You are. That's all right. That's okay. <laughs> I'm sitting down already, so we're good to go. We're relaxed. We're just chilling. Um, yep. Welcome to the Daily Attic Podcast, everybody. This is a live show. Uh, the DAP presents the Don't Punish the Pain movement with Claudia Mirandi, and you don't want to make sure your headphone don't get too close to the mic because it'll back. Is that a live mic right there? Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Okay. So we just, Hey, we're going to, we're going to pick this football up and run in the damn end zone with it. I know it's like bouncing all over the field right now, <laughs> but just hang in there. Everybody. We have Claudia Mirandi. We have Dr. Feldman with us. We're going to, you know, they're going to take any questions from any callers. If you guys want to call into the show, if you want to jump into the chat and join at the same time, we're going to have a lot of entertaining topics to talk about. Let's drop that short little, uh, Daily in there. Dave likes to drop the intro for us. United States is drug abuse. A lot of visitors in here already. Happy Sunday, everybody. Thanks for joining us, Claudia. Thank you for being here. How are you doing? Thank you. Good, good. Just, you know, getting ready for a, a new week, a fresh start. Very stressful past few days, trying to, you know, we're 
moving in for the rally March 19th in Providence, March 20th throughout the country. So we're organizing rallies. Dr. Feldman and I advocate for patients. We advocate for doctors who have been targeted. Dr. Feldman's going to share his story. Um, I was, you know, I wanted to, I didn't go to the gym today. And when I don't work out, I become sort of Uh a beast. Right. You know, you guys know, and Dr. Feldman knows because He's the Jewish husband I've never had. And he's my first phone call of the day. And this goes on all day because we're always bouncing ideas back and forth to one another. And this past week, uh, it's all over social media. I never take phone calls at nighttime, never, uh, because it takes me so many hours to decompress. But this woman was so desperate to get me on the phone and I waited for her call. I took her her call. I brought Dr. Fellman in because I thought what I was hearing was unbelievable. Her husband, stage four colon cancer, has been battling uh, cancer four years, chemotherapy, radiation, the most painful surgeries. I only know because I've had them. And he's getting bounced back and forth. This man cannot get pain medication. He's not a chronic pain patient, zero history of addiction. He's a newbie into the fields other than horrible cancer stage four. I took Dr. Fellman on. We sent out a letter on his behalf. I'm, I'm, I'm sick. I'm pissed. I'm astonished. I'm appalled. I'm repulsed. And I just put out on Twitter, I said, if this was a dog, And I love dogs as much as the next person. But if I ever posted a picture of a dog with this massive incision who can't get pain medication, I would have had Fox, NBC, NBC. It's disgusting. It's I'm ready to um, get on a plane, fly to South Carolina and meet with this oncologist. This should not be happening. Uh, So this is where we are. This is where we are in our country. So you know, if you have cancer, you were supposed to be exempt. Nobody's exempt. It's just a matter of time before every person on planet earth will be affected by these preposterous, vile 2016 CDC opioid prescribing guidelines. So I'm a little hot. I'm coming in a little hot tonight, but I want to, um, I know people, I would imagine this is going to be a pretty busy show because we we, I promoted this last night. I promoted this this morning, and I know a lot of people have questions for Dr. Fellman. They always want to talk to a doctor, you guys, because no, no doctor ever puts time aside to talk with patients. Dr. Fellman makes me proud every single time I bring him on a call. I'll call him. The other night, he was playing the ukulele with his wife, Linda. I said, can I take you on a call? He's like, of course. Never says no. And he takes sometimes two hours on the phone with these patients. So if you people need help, you can find us at the doctorpatientforum.com. Click help, fill out the form, it pounces back to me, and we get on the phone with you. Obviously, we need donations. Donations keep our efforts going. Um, so, you know, click on that donate button. Whatever you can give us, thank you. Uh, your dollars are well spent. We always represent to the best of our ability. So, Dr. Fellman, we're going to get right to it because Tim and Dave really don't know your your story. So let's start with what we talked about this morning. Tell me about your practice. Dr. Feldman, can you hear me? Yes, I, I can hear, but not that well. So go ahead, ask me. Okay. What do I need to? Okay. I, I to wanted, to so this morning we were talking about, you know, tell people what kind of a doctor are you? What were you, where did you go to school and 
tell me about your practice. Well, let, let, let me just say this. I was, I was a pain doctor before anybody knew what a pain doctor was, meaning I trained at Harvard in anesthesiology, and in the early days, pain medicine was kind of started by anesthesiologists, and so I was one of the early, early adopters of the philosophy that, you know, human beings should not suffer, uh, which seems to be, uh, uh, you know, elusive uh, these days. So in anesthesiology, you know, we had skills in not only putting people to sleep for surgery, but doing nerve blocks, regional anesthesia, and using our skills to relieve pain. So we relieved pain acutely in the operating room, and then it kind of morphed into relieving pain for chronic diseases, uh, back pain and cancer mostly. And then sometime around 1990, somebody else decided, gee, maybe we should, we should try to expand, and meaning so a specialty of pain began, of pain medicine began, which was almost exclusive anesthesiology, but then it began to be practiced by family practitioners, anesthesiologists, physiatry specialists, neurologists, neurosurgeons. So, you know, my, my, my training uh, and experience really is now going into four decades. So I guess now I've given it away. I'm not so young anymore. So my training was in anesthesiology, pain medicine, interventional spine medicine, spine surgery. So all of those mm -hmm. things became. And you had you had a mat. You you were you're considered to be a pioneer. He's considered to be a pioneer in pain management. What kind of a facility did you have, Doctor Fellman? Well, in, in my practice, I started out with a little tiny office, talking about forty years ago. And that became, became a bigger office, which became a surgery center, diagnostic center, operating rooms, MRI center, laboratory, physical therapy. And at the end, before I retired, I had a 22,000 square foot clinic, which I don't like to say that was the best, but it was one of the most comprehensive clinics in the United States of America, if not on the entire planet, meaning dedicated exclusively to the diagnosis and treatment of chronic painful illnesses. Okay. So we're going to fast forward because it's, it's an only an hour show. When did you start to see the writing on the wall when it came to prescribing pain medication and how was the well, medical board involved? The reason I went into pain medicine is because I saw the writing on the wall when I was in medical school in Philadelphia, meaning when I was an intern, a medical student and an intern walking down the hallway in the middle of the night. A couple of things that are, if you look back, are glaring, glaringly obvious. If you walk into a hospital, and it's the same thing today, there are no doctors at night. Doctors leave the hospital, and, they, and so in the middle of the night, when you walk down the hall, you hear moaning and groaning and screaming of patients in pain. Now, who is relegated to take care of these people? The nurses. So the doctors have basically given up, and they don't take care of the patients. They leave it to somebody else. So I, I kind of was, was – this kind of slapped me in the face when I was a student saying, why aren't we doing a better job? Well, if you don't hear the moaning and the groaning and the screaming, then you don't really know it exists. So I decided right then and there to use my skills and dedicate my skills 
to doing a better job for the medical profession at large. Now, there have always been people interested in pain, but not a whole lot of them. I was, like I said, an early, early adopter of, of pain medicine. Okay. And you practiced in Louisiana. That's... Well, I first started practicing in, in Alabama. And then I went, from, I went from Boston, Massachusetts to Mobile, Alabama. And that was in 19... Let me ask my wife. Linda, when was that? 1983. <laughs> <laughs> so, there we remember, go. Remember, I'm a, I'm a Jewish guy. I moved to Mobile. There wasn't, there wasn't a thousand Jews in the whole state of Alabama. And if you were Jewish, you certainly didn't tell anybody about it. So, and, and I'm not kidding you. It was okay to be Jewish. Just, just don't advertise it, right? So I started the first pain clinic in Mobile, Alabama. Uh, uh, in addition, I was very busy doing clinical anesthesia as well, meaning surgical anesthesia. And I did the first spinal pump implant for a spinal morphine pump ever in Alabama. And then a few years later, I had a job opportunity in a small town in Mississippi, and I don't know if that was good or bad, but we moved to Mississippi. And the good part about it was it was kind of like, remember that movie Doc Hollywood with Michael J. Fox? Anybody yeah. remember that movie yeah. years ago? Yeah. That's, a, that's how my Mississippi practice was, meaning <laughs> everybody knew me. I knew everybody. My, my, my clients were regular people, very poor people, the governor, federal judges, local judges, doctors. I mean... I took care of lots of people uh, from all walks of life. And my philosophy was this, was just because I lived in a small town didn't mean that I had to do second-rate medicine. So I catapulted these, these, these people into the future, meaning all of a sudden I brought Harvard Medicine to a little town in Mississippi, and I was doing things that nobody was doing in Baton Rouge, New Orleans, Jackson, Mississippi, because, you know, I just felt that, that, you know, don't, don't just because you want to live in a small town doesn't mean you have to do small time medicine. So I started a clinic in, in Natchez and I built a clinic that was, um, you know, 5,000 square feet. And that, when I say I, I sized it, so you just have an idea of what I was doing. And people were coming to me from all over Mississippi, all over Alabama, all over Louisiana. And then after about 15 or 18 years, a kind of couple of things came together, but my son uh, moved to Baton Rouge, became a real estate agent. And what did he do? He calls me up and says, oh, I found you this great building. So I wound up buying this surgery center and my clinic expanded. We moved to Baton Rouge and we started doing some new and innovative things, laser spine surgery, put in a diagnostic center. Meaning if you came to me with a pain problem, you, you, you know, we interviewed you, we examined you, we did MRIs, x-rays, CT scans, and we tried to find, to the best of our abilities, you know, the cause of your pain so we could treat the cause. But the truth of the matter is, if you have to be honest with people, by the time you have chronic debilitating pain, you might be able to find the cause, but there's not, you can't cure most of these patients. You can treat them. And that's the dilemma that we're in now is how do you treat the chronic pain patient? And that's open for discussion. I know how to do it, but obviously the CDC thinks they know how to do it. The FBI thinks they know how to do it. And the, the DEA thinks they know how to do it. And the truth of the matter is I know how to do it. They don't. That's right. a very, so, that's very good observation. Thanks for the, the history. That's awesome. I just have a quick question about that. So do you sure. think it's you think it's beneficial? I mean, despite everything that's going on right now, 
at the core of it is the doctor patient relationship and that that sacred relationship should just be in it in its entirely you know one one you're trusting your doctor your doctor's doing the best job possible there should be no outside interference i mean there well, really let, should let, let me let me tell you that's a great question but let me back up a second now why do you think i moved to mississippi because when I was in Mobile, Alabama, we're talking about in the mid '80s now. There, there, there's two terms came into into parlance, or three terms that really concerned me. One was, and get, get just think of the verbiage, managed care, managed care. And so you just asked the question: Who's managing your care? Should be you, the patient, and the doctor. That should who that should be who's managing care. But then. Then we started hearing about HMOs and PPOs, and I moved to Natchez, Mississippi, because I figured these PPOs, HMOs, managed care—they wouldn't—they would—it would take them ten years to get to a small town, and it did. And so I had about ten years of medicine where I didn't have much to do with Blue Cross United Healthcare because they weren't really interested in poor people; they were only interested in people with you know, employer-based, uh, high-priced insurance policies. And so the bottom line is, let me just tell you, the doctor-patient relationship is very important, but it's, it's, it's kind of, I don't know, it's gone. It's pretty much gone. Yeah. I was, so, when, when you talked about, when you talked about being in a small town, I can imagine that your, your, your relationships with your patients were more intimate, a lot more intimate than they are in any more, in any setting nowadays, it seems yeah, like nowadays. Let me tell you, I, I got paid more in, in, in sweet potatoes and collard greens than I did <laughs> with, with, with little pieces of paper with pictures of dead presidents on them. Right. That's the truth. And so, you know, it was always like my duty and my philosophy was very simple. I do the best job I can and, you know, I will not starve and it all comes out in the wash. And when I have to meet my maker, you know, he, he may say I did a good job or not such a good job, but my point is I didn't do it for the money. I did it because to watch somebody suffer and, and, and basically involute because of, of, of lousy pain treatment is, in my opinion, not what God wants us to do. And you have to, if you, if you don't believe in God, then, you know, then, then, then basically you don't need to be in medicine because only God is perfect and we can only try to emulate that. Hey, hey, you guys, I want to ask Dr. Fellman, Dr. Fellman, what happened with the medical board? What happened with your particular case? Because a lot of people don't know. I know it. Um, Are you still there? Yep. Yep. Well, very simply, I built the most advanced clinic in the state of Louisiana, Mississippi, Alabama, and a lot of other places. So very simply, I'm doing avant-garde, cutting-edge medicine. I was never a very high prescriber. But you have to understand it's like being a diabetologist and not believing in insulin. So you had to use some opiates. So the medical boards, and that's what, that's what the general public doesn't understand. I'm trying to educate them. The keys to all of this are not with the DEA. They're not with the FBI. They're not with the CDC. They're with the medical boards. That's the licensure bodies that license doctors. So if the DEA wants to get doctors and they can't figure out how to get you they they basically have partnered with the medical boards and so the next thing you know the medical boards on my case for five or six years i had i had a perfect record i was the most advanced doctor that there was actually 
three medical board executive directors were my patients. I could show you a letter in 2008 where they said, you know, you have the most advanced clinic. Can we send doctors to you for education? Well, my, my market competitor in 2010 became the executive director of the Louisiana Medical Board. The guy's a total fucking hack. Pardon my language. <laughs> no, seriously. Let me, let that's me tell great. you something. No, no, this that's great. This is the God's honest truth. Listen, this is the God's honest truth. You can't get rich in medicine these days if you're honest and hardworking. You can only be, get rich by being a shitty doctor. Meaning you do you you invest in medicine, you don't practice medicine if you understand the difference. So yeah. this guy became the president of the medical board of Louisiana, the licensing body. The next thing you know, they suspended my license, take my word for it, for a bunch of nonsense. So the bottom line is my clinic is gone. Ninety percent of the clinics in Louisiana are gone and except this guy. His name is John Michael Burdine, and he's a total hack. I don't give a shit if he sues me and I'm suing him right now in the federal district court in Washington, D.C. And I'm going to try to win this case, not for myself, for the, the 30, 50 million people in the country. So this suit is Feldman and Call, who's a doctor in New Jersey versus the Federation of State Medical Boards. Follow this. The Federation of State Medical Boards, who controls all 70 licensing boards in the United States, Guam, Puerto Rico and the American Samoan Islands. The New Jersey Medical Board, the Louisiana Medical Board, the California Medical Board, and the Mississippi Medical Board, and about 30 other reprobate, misanthropic defendants who are all claiming, we didn't do anything, and they're trying to get dismissed, you know, for, for lack of jurisdiction. So the truth of the matter is that the bottom line is this, is that patients need to understand this, if they hadn't already figured it out. A doctor... You know, the government is, at least in our lifetimes, is never going to say we are going to just allow anybody to have controlled substances of any sort, any time. That is not likely to occur. So doctors are always going to be a necessary equation. And back to what you said, the doctor-patient relationship is going to have to be reestablished. And we're going to have to get the government out of the doctor's office. And that's where the patient's meaning the, the doctor-patient collaborative, which is trying to bring doctors and patients together, we have got to work together to, to undo, undo the past five years of, of, of bad propaganda. Let, let, me, let me just uh, give you a little bit of insight on how I feel about it. I'm going to break it down to the simplest, the simplest uh, focal point here, and that's on President Nixon. And I'll tell you how it all ties in. President Nixon was the was the facilitator on the war on drugs he went after you know they came out with the substance abuse act they made the schedules which everybody knows is a joke they went after the hippies they went after the blacks knowingly admittingly by his administration but what else happened in the nixon administration they came out with the hmos they came out with the insurance company. They came out with the structure and organization for these nonprofits to regulate and run the entire industry. Because you were talking about HMOs and PPOs and things like that, and that's kind of where that relationship broke down. But think about that. That's, that's, uh, that's very interesting. That's very interesting that they both happened, and they were, they, were, they were brought on by the same person who was impeached. So all of the laws that he passed should have been null and void in my opinion, but either way, um, it's great having you on the show. 
Claudia, I saw the the tweet you sent out there, the patient you're talking about. I think he's uh, here. I think I think Billy's joined us from North Billy, Carolina. Billy, we I think we Billy's are, on here. Our hearts go out to you, man. That is a terrible situation. And uh, Claudia is fighting hard for you. The doctor patient forum is fighting hard for you uh, to get you the medication so you can be comfortable during this difficult, difficult time. And, you know, Dr. Feldman said, there's not a doubt. There's not a question. This man needs pain medication. Right, Dr. Feldman? You know, we, Dr. Feldman and I, when I say, I want to write a letter, and he's like, well, who are we going to? But this, when we, Dr. Feldman agree on something, we agree on it. This should not be happening. Uh, it is just, well, go ahead. Claudia, yeah. Claudia, what, what, what Claudia and I are, are trying to do is obviously bring awareness, right? And so, yes, we need to take care of Billy. But Billy's only one person and there's millions of people that are getting disenfranchised. And so the things, what I want to do uh, is I want to eventually, and when I say eventually, pretty soon, is open a Washington office, and I want to be—I want to be in the face of the congressmen and senators. Meaning, I want to hang out at the at the Senate office building and the House office building and start bugging people where they say, you know, if we don't do something for this guy, he's never going to go away. That's what you have to do because you know they have a lot of things to do and a lot of problems to solve. This is just a problem that if it, it's up to us, meaning the, the American people, it's up to us to bring this to the forefront. Yeah, you have very, to become a very good point. Yeah. You know, in Rhode Island, I've become a burden to these people. When I walk into a building, they turn the other way. They're like, oh, shit, here she comes. And it's taken me three years, just about three years to get legislation. And there's still, um, I, I don't, until my governor signs this into law, I would I do not feel comfortable because anything can change. Lawmakers do not want to discuss opiates. You have to, you know, fortunately for me, I had my lawmakers were affected and I was called in to advocate for them. But it's it's just a you know, everybody gets old, everybody gets sick. Um, but right now we have doctors in prison. We've got Dr. Joel Smithers in prison. 40 years. We've got uh, Dr. Fellman's very good friend, what, 20 years. Uh, Dr. Fellman and I, we talk with doctors daily who have been targeted. The DEA goes into their office, scares the living shit out of these poor people. And, uh, you know, doctors are the dumbest, smartest people I've worked with. And we try to get the message out, never surrender your DEA license. But, you know, Dr. Feldman, when he first contacted me, I thought he, I said, who's this man calling me? Who's this little, this Jewish doctor screaming at me? And he said, well, where do you fall into this? And I remember that phone call. And he said, let me tell you, doctors are people first, doctors are sec up. Doctors um, are people first, doctors second. That never left me. So if you're in your office, you know, seeing a patient, the DEA comes in SWAT team style, black vest on, and they have guns to your head, to your patient's head. What do you, oh my God, can you imagine? So they're not thinking, doctor, they're thinking, oh my God, I don't want to die. What's happening right now? So, you know, this DEA agent's, oh, listen, I'm going to help you out. Give me, just give us your DEA registration. Give us your license and this won't be as bad. You know, your lawyer... And doctors, we're just trying to get the word out. You know, we work with a great 
attorney. And, but, you know, we need a win. We say it every day. We just need a win. It just gets worse and worse. It's the for, prosecutors, too. They're in coercion. They're in, they're in cahoots with this DEA. And let me tell you about these dirty prosecutors and what they do. They do the same thing in the drug war. And the, and the war on drugs, the DEA, down in Alabama, they were blowing doors off the hinges storming people's apartments, arresting them, pulling them out in front of their people, you know, in front of their neighbors, not even found guilty or nothing yet, go down, they'll take them down. The prosecutor says, hey, if you just say, if you just say you're, you're guilty, I'll let you go tomorrow. Just sign this paper. That's what they do. That's what they do. That's what they do to get their numbers up. That's what oh. they do to validate themselves. That's how they well, get their funding. <laughs> they, they have yeah. to get funded. You know, the DEA has to be funded every year. And, and that's how they validate. That's how, and that's why they do it. It's a scare tactic. It's to force you is it's to come in and storm and terrorize you and make you feel like you're, it's hopeless. Like you're, because why would you draw guns in a doctor's office? Why would yeah. you take, you know, why would you come in? Why would you have a bulletproof vest on and storm in there like that? I mean, I just. And why are you no planting drugs? They're planting drugs. They're planting porn. They're trying. They're they're hitting doctors with child's pornography. A doctor oh, in Alabama. He didn't have. Me. He didn't. Another doctor in Ohio. His wife's a pharmacist on video. They planted drugs. They said, oh, you've got drugs missing. They are. These are cops. These are rogue cops. But they they yeah, just I, sentenced a guy in, in New York. He was working. He was working in Chicago. He was working for the cartel as a DEA agent. He just got four years because he, you know, he ratted on somebody. He was supposed to get more time than that. But they're bringing in kilos of cocaine from from Puerto Rico to New York straight to. And he was clearing the way the whole bit, getting rid of evidence. You know what, I mean, you know what they do to the doctors? They send in inform they plant uh, they'll send a patient into a doctor's office an informant you know just to see they i can't believe they get away with it um it happens all the time every doctor so many doctors dr fellman and i speak with they they send people in they're not real patients um, and you read in the headlines daily, this doctor prescribed 500,000 pills. This doctor prescribed outside the scope of the medical practice, this outside of the, the controlled substance. I mean, when does it end? But I'll tell you, you know who they didn't, you know who they didn't, they went into Dr. Feldman's office. Dr. Feldman said, you get the fuck out of here. Hell yeah. It, Hell yeah. That was it. He didn't take, and that's the message we need to get to the doctors. Get out of here. You contact my attorney, and that's where Dr. Feldman and I come in. We want to help these doctors. We want to help prepare. We want to be their experts. But it's hard because so many of the, like the best pain management doctors in the country, they don't have their licenses right now. Yeah. So it's, it's, you know, that's why these donations and I, I hate asking for money. God, I hate asking for money. I tell Dr. Feldman, I was like, please, I, I hate doing it. But without donations, we're stuck. Claudia, and we need to Claudia, go ahead Claudia, real quick. Tell mm -hmm. everybody why we got everybody here right now. We'll start taking calls in a little bit and some questions from you guys. I know it's tell busy. I, it's, I see it. It's busy. Tell everybody how much time you guys spent. What's your average day? Just give us just a Wednesday. Just I wake up on Wednesday. I'm Claudia Mirandi. What, what's my day like? So my day starts at usually between 4.30 a.m. and 5 a.m. It takes me about two hours to go through social media. 
it takes me another hour just to respond to the messages. Um, Claudia, I need help. Uh, Claudia, I found you. So I'm responding to messages from doctors and patients throughout the country. And it's all day, all night. When I'm done with social media, I get my 14-year-old in the car. I always say this. People think I'm a little crazy. I, I pray. And I told you guys this. If I don't pray... I, I can't, I'm not effective to anybody. I pray every day. Give me the strength to advocate. Give me the strength to be a stronger advocate today than I was yesterday. Give me the strength not to punch someone's teeth down their throat while I'm at, you know, just give me the strength to be cool. I take my kid to school. I have to make my way over to the gym because I compete in fitness shows. So I train. I've got to train. If I don't train, I'm not on my game. I'm not on my game today. I didn't train. I come home. I have to hit social media again. That's when we start taking calls. That's when we get on the phone calls with the patients. This does not end until it, for me, I end at 6 p.m. Shuts down. So we're going nonstop from five in the morning until 6 p.m. I have to, that's when I shut down because the same two, 200 more messages come in overnight. It's day, night. Now, when I'm not organizing rallies, what you know, this is what I'm known for, right, is the don't punish pain. When I'm not organizing the rallies, I head over to the doctor-patient forum. And when I'm not over there, I'm usually doing press somewhere, speaking with legislators, speaking with the press, or begging a doctor to please reconsider or I'm taking somebody to pain management. It never, it's 24-7. So it's so you guys out there, you see, we, they spend a lot of time working for you guys. So, you know, you shouldn't feel bad uh, keeping this movement going by asking people for help. But we got a caller right now. Are we ready to take one? Sure. We want yep. to take Karma right here. Karma, welcome to the show. Thank you. Hello, you Claudia Miranda. Hi there. Hi there. Hi, honey. This is Susie Lawson, you Haley. Um, Hi, Susie. You speak the truth. Um, I have been having a battle, my unbeknownst to my doctor, I passed a DEA agent that went into my pharmacy and bullied them into stop no soma, no soma. Well, I have cancer and I am dying. I have very limited things I can take because it has hit my liver. The man that owns the mom and pop, he took me aside. He was shaking, sweating, red from head to toe. He said, and I said, what? He said, you just passed a DEA agent that had just told us to stop providing SOMA. And I kindly asked him why. He said, because they were bullying us, because that is one of the most wanted drugs or prescribed drugs that are here at our particular pharmacy. I can't, I can't tell you. I have to go to two different pharmacies. I, get, I have to wait four days for them to order my meds. I am in a, um, I, I, when I get in a 10 out of 10 pain, I will have to say, it, I, it's not often, but I look psychotic, and I ask for you to chop my limbs off. But this is nonsensical. Every time I go, my blood pressure will be in the 200s over 100s. My heart rate hit 210 at one time because of all this nonsense. 
Yeah, I and Susie, I, Susie just jogged my memory. You, for all of you who are listening to this, we have attorneys who are collecting your, and Susie, if we lose you quickly, it's only because we have other questions coming on. So Susie, okay. thank you so much for, thank you so much for calling in. Uh, just as a reminder, folks, if you have been to a, a pharmacy and your pharmacist says, I cannot fill the script for you, it's over the 90 morphine, I just don't feel comfortable, or I can't fill this because you look highly suspicious we have attorneys who are collecting your stories for a possible class action federal state lawsuit it is on uh it's on twitter i uh i never know the name of i know the name of the firm it's robert redfern out of louisiana he's working with other attorneys so visit don'tpunishpainrally.com head over to the announcement section you're going to click on that link i believe it's chronic for uh, justice for chronic pain patients and you're going to submit a questionnaire and they're going to determine whether you are a possible petitioner plaintiff whatever and that's all because of dr fellman dr fellman found this firm and he brought me in on these calls uh and you know obviously the the lawyers didn't know which direction to go in because they didn't know this was happening not only is it happening, it's happening all over the country. And people, in order to get their opioids filled, like Dr. Fellman, I don't know if he's still there, his wife has to get a non-opioid filled with an opioid. You can't just get opioids. You say, oh, okay, well, you want to get Vicodin? All right, what else you got for me? Huh? What do you mean? Oh, well, I need, you're going to fill something else. Well, I don't have anything else. doesn't matter. I'm not filling this Vicodin script for you unless you fill a non-opioid. What? That's the DEA. The DEA honed in, they target the uh, the distributor, and the distributor can only dispense a, a certain amount of medication um, to to the pharmacies. So it all, it all goes back to the DEA. Medical boards are working in tandem with the DEA throughout the country. So this is hey, a very hey, real hey, thing. Hey, Dave, Dave, uh, can I say something? Yes, yes, go ahead, Doc. Claudia, Claudia <laughs> talked about this lawsuit. Let, let, let me just explain to you. Uh, or to the public, uh, uh, you know, we, we have this vision of the law when we're in grade school and they tell us about the executive branch and the, the legislative branch and the judiciary branches of government. And we have this, at least I had this mistaken idea that when you're back to the wall, you can always depend on the judiciary. But the judiciary is made up of people, meaning judges, and juries are made up of people. And they have been poisoned, poisoned by the media and when a doctor when a doctor goes on trial, they're getting convicted like sleep sheep to the slaughter. So we have got to reverse this media campaign and tell people, you may not love your doctor, but you know, you said it in the beginning, the doctor-patient relationship has to be reestablished. And this lawsuit that we're talking about in pharmacists, we need to teach these pharmacies. I'm talking about I'm not talking about your neighborhood little corner pharmacy. I'm talking about CVS, Walgreens. Walgreens has 20,000 pharmacies. Mm -hmm. We need to teach them a lesson. And the only lesson that they're going to understand, if you understand the history of the civil rights movement, they're only going to understand a, a financial lesson. They will never listen to reason. They will never listen to logic. They will never read the Bible. They will sit on the front pew of the church, but they will do what they do which is discriminate against 30 to 50 million or more chronic pain patients. So this lawsuit, these lawyers, you know, that I feel like when I went to talk to these lawyers, it was like Moses going to talk to the Pharaoh. You know, hey, let people go. Well, you know, 
They believed me, but they didn't believe me. And so we are going to rain 10 plagues down upon these pharmacies until they wake up. Yeah, that's 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 our plan. This is not going to be pretty. We want to take them for a billion dollars. When I say we, Claudia and I will not get one nickel out of this. I need some. I need some of that. I'm just kidding. Well, hey, we no, got. But no, no, no. But let me tell you. Let me we tell don't. You. We don't make any money. I know. I know. We got. Hey, but we got a caller coming in right now. I want to. Okay. Uh, give Go ahead. A chance. Uh, Chronic Granny. Yeah. Welcome to the show. Hey, guys. Nice to talk to you all again. I have a question or maybe looking for some advice. My pain management doctor has been prescribing to me for over three years now. And we just had a Suboxone talk last appointment. Um, is, no. I'd like to know, if, yeah, if there's any way, any points you can give me in talking to him. He believe he does not believe in opioid therapy. That's that's what he's says. He's not afraid. Has nothing to do with the DEA. He just doesn't believe in prescribing opiates anymore. Well, Suboxone is an opiate. So yeah, what's I, know, it? I agree. <laughs> hey, so, doctor, I'm going to let Doctor Fel- Doctor Feldman because I ask Doctor Feldman this all the time. I said, "What happens okay. if your wife goes in and they say, oh, we want Linda to go on tell me Suboxone?'" The, tell me the question. Do- I yeah. couldn't hear too well. Doctor Feldman, um, yeah, what's your, your question? My question is, I'm looking for some advice to talk with my pain management doctor. He's been prescribing morphine to me for over three years. I have a rare spinal disorder. He's now having been having Suboxone talks and it's becoming forced on me now. And I just would like to know some points in talking to him. He doesn't believe in opiates is what he's saying. He's not afraid of the DEA. He just does not. He's, I think he's a Dr. Claudney fan. I don't know. He just says he does not believe in opiates at all, uh, but he switched after three and a half years. Did you get Dr. that, Dr. No, maybe you could repeat Cla- the Yeah, Claudia, hey, Chronic Granny, thank you. I'm going to have Claudia yeah. follow up. All on right, this. so, so okay, so what happens is um, of, uh, this doctor obviously is very afraid to prescribe, or he would still be prescribing her morphine. Uh, the trend right now is to transition your patient over to Suboxone. There's millions and billions of dollars to be made in Suboxone. Dr. Fellman, I don't, Dr. Fellman, didn't prescribe Suboxone, if I'm not mistaken. He wasn't a big prescriber, but he did prescribe. Dr. Feldman, what are your thoughts on Suboxone? Well, uh, honestly, um, I'm going to answer it in sort of a comical way. If you remember the old Rolling Stones song, you can't always get what you want. (laughs) You can't always get what you want, but if you try sometimes, you just might find you get what you need. And so Suboxone is an opiate. Make no bones about this. It is chemically a a, a modified morphine molecule. So it is an opiate, just like morphine, just like heroin, just like oxycodone. And so what what has happened, and and the truth of the matter is it's not a very effective opiate, but it is an opiate. It does have pain-relieving qualities. So if you have chronic pain, and the only thing that anybody will give you is Suboxone, it will work partially. Partially. So if you are used to a, a, a certain regimen and they change you to Suboxone, you will not die. You may have a few days that you're uncomfortable, but it will give you some pain relief if you indeed need opiates for pain relief, which I said there are many millions of people. So 
But the other side of Suboxone, as you have to understand, is this, is that morphine was, was discovered, synthesized 200 years ago. Suboxone and some of these newer formulations are under a patent, right? So morphine is, morphine is cheap. Nobody's making a lot of money from morphine. And, and so, you know, what should cost 10 cents all of a sudden cost $1,000, and so that's why they're pushing Suboxo. So they put this woman, Vanilla Singh, whoever the hell that is, some woman that was on the, you know, some government task force. Now she's on the board of Suboxo. So you talk about conflicts of interest. You have people writing government policy. Then all of a sudden, when they graduate or, or, or President Trump fires them, they get, a, they get a job with a pharmaceutical manufacturer. So remember this. If Suboxone is all you can have then it's, it's at least a, a reasonable interim, interim medication until we make the necessary changes. Does that make sense? Mm -hmm. Yeah, but you, need, but you know what, these, what they have to get. They have to get a letter from their doctor that says, this medication was prescribed to me for pain. Because if you're not, the insurance carrier is not going to approve it's not indicated for pain. It's indicated for addiction. So I know when I advocate for people, they can't, or, or my practitioners in Rhode Island say, I can't prescribe this for pain, so I have to put it down that they have opioid use disorder. That's in her file now. She doesn't have opioid use disorder, but it turns out Dr. Feldman said, if you even think about an opiate, you have opiate use disorder. You have to do what's right yeah, for you. That's a new term. Hey, that's hey, a new term. Claudia, you might want to back just a bit away from the microphone because you're coming. Oh, sorry. Uh, I'm sorry. I'm just, that's okay. You're popping in I, there. I get, I, get, I get hot onto the collar when I talk I about know. Suboxone. I, when you but don't yeah, work yeah. out, it's just like a whole different I know. Just But you have to, for people that are listening, you make sure you get a letter that says, this was prescribed to me for pain. It's not going to be coded as that. It's going to be, it's going to go in your chart as opioid use disorder. What's going to happen? It's going to make it incredibly difficult for you to be put back on our traditional FDA approved medication like oxycodone. Uh, so, but I do have people that have been switched. Um, it's a struggle. Uh, your doctor, I don't know why he wouldn't want to continue to prescribe morphine. All of a sudden, your doctor doesn't believe in long-term opioid therapy because he drank the Kalatni Kool-Aid. And there's a lot of money in that Kool-Aid when you drink it. Hey, I want to just mention one thing. I caught some shit on Reddit about working with Tim and Dave. So let me set my haters straight about this. Um, Tim is in recovery. Um, Oh, wait, or is it Dave? I'm sorry. I get these two, I get you guys confused. And I caught That's some okay. shit about on Reddit about it the other day. Like Claudia's working with, he's an addict and what's going on. So I extend myself to all communities and whether somebody is in recovery or not, um, that doesn't, and just like Dr. Fellman is a patient and he sees patients. We collaborated first off because I liked him and Dave. I can't say that about two men in a, in a row. Um, I liked him and Dave. I like what they represent. And we have to, we have to bridge this, this gap between the addictions community and the pain community, because what prop has done is they have, they have pitted the two communities against one another. And it's going to stop because I believe both communities deserve respect, compassion, empathy. But right now, the addictions community is winning and the pain community is walking around with um, 
with the the burden and they're 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 stigmatized and when i when i advocate for a lawmaker they'll say well i don't want people to know i take opioids well why there's no shame in game. So um, I think it's a beautiful collaboration between the Daily Addict and uh, the Don't Punish Pain Rally and the Doctor Patient Forum. And, and for people who know me, I really don't give a shit what people say. Obviously, most of you know that. So I think it's a great collaboration and we support one another. I just wanted to throw that in there. Yeah, I think that I think I, I agree with you 100 percent because we we kind of we kind of touched on the chronic pain community and we kind of dabbled around until we had you on the first time. And then uh, we became fascinated with this movement because of the false hysteria of the opioid crisis and the way that, the, you know, the machine is now affecting everybody uh, on the medical side and the recreational side. What the thing is about the illicit drug war, it's been going on for a long time. And before that, there was really nothing. So for thousands of years and hundreds of years, if you wanted to medicate, you could, you know, you can drink, you can, there was several different mind altering substances. And since the beginning of time, humans have been wanting to, you know, take these things. It, it, it isn't nothing new. It's been around as long as, you know, 2000, 4,000 years ago. Listen, listen to some of our podcasts. We, we kind of cover all that stuff, but you know, until the last 50, 60, you know, 40, 50 years, it hasn't really affected everybody's freedoms and right to live like it has recently. And it affects everybody's life. Everybody knows someone who's an addict. Everybody knows someone who's been to jail, who has a federal offense, who has some kind of, you know, tarnish on their record because they got caught. They got unlucky one night. Um, Barack Obama and Bill Clinton and a, a lot of presidents did drugs. They just didn't get caught, but they got to become president of the United States. But the people that got caught got ostracized, got imprisoned. And that's the worst thing you can do to somebody who is no. addicted, who's on a substance is you isolate them and take hey. them away from their drug. It's punishing. It's cruel. It's cruel. But but now it's now it's affected the medical side. Now it's uh, now it's like that on the medical side. And I think it's time for people to have some tolerance and to understand both sides because we can fight this war together. We can fight this war together. We can win this war together. Dr. Feldman was going to Dr. Feldman, what were you going to say? Thank you. Thank you. I'll get off my soapbox. Can, can, hey, can we have wait. on your soapbox? You make a lot of sense. Listen, I got to drop out, but I, I want to say one thing. Claudia's movement is really important. And I, 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 I don't even know how we found each other, but I'm sort of like this. I'm, I'm, she's like the brain. I'm like the brains and she's the beauty. Uh, actually, she has a very good brain. But, but what, I, what I'm saying to you guys is we want to partner with you because you have a keen insight into a lot of things that we don't. And, and we have some insights, and so I think together we can make some progress. I think so. I think yeah. so. I've already learned a lot from you, Dr. Feldman, in this episode. I appreciate the history you gave us on your own practice and everything from, you know, starting off in anesthesiology from Harvard and then, you know, going into pain medicine and for over four decades and being, you know, having one of the biggest clinics and one of the most successful clinics in the U.S. to get treated that, I mean, that just shows you that, you know, if it could happen to you, if the system can also, you know, try to come after someone like you, 
then none of us are safe. None of I us. None of us. I are did safe. everything the right way. Everything the right way. But you got to remember, when they paint a target on you and they go hunting, nobody's safe. Just like you just said, no one is safe. No. So we have got to change. Honestly, we have got to change this country. We've got to change this country. Yes. We yeah. appreciate your time, doctor. Thank All you. Right. Listen, I hope you'll invite me back again. Oh, for sure. Uh, I really, I really enjoy the interchange. Absolutely. Yeah. I'll okay, talk with much. you tomorrow. I'll, I'll talk with him a hundred more times tonight and tomorrow. It's, um, you know, the doctor patient form, we just don't advocate for, um, pain related issues. People call us because they have to find an orthopedic surgeon or they're not sure whether they should move forward with a spinal stimulator. Dr. Fellman, and you know, we offer solutions, not medical advice, obviously, but he, he takes the time. He looks at people's images, their CT scans, their MRIs. This man is a genius. And I talk with these doctors every day and some have a certain je ne sais quoi and some uh -uh, not so much, but I'll tell you, he never lets me down and he's compassionate. He gets on the phone. These people are crying when we get on the phone with them. So the, with the rallies and, you know, listen, some people need opioids. Some don't. Some do well with CBD. And that's what I wanted to ask you guys about because you do have your new line of CBD. Um, I just saw it on, you know, I retweeted it. What's the name of your product? Um, we have uh, Happy Life, Happy Life Herbals, yep. and uh, we have, uh, of course, CBD is all over, and there's different kinds of CBD. But Dave and I really did our research on our CBD, and our CBD is derived uh, from hemp, and it is tested, and it's 100%. The QR code is on the bottle, so if you want to see the lab results, you can do that. Um, the The jury's still out as far as there's a lot of people that still have to try CBD because everything is anecdotal to this point. They haven't done any human testing because, you know, marijuana and hemp have been illegal for so long because they both got lumped in together, but it's totally different than THC. And there's a lot of information about it. Uh, we're going to be providing a lot more about the CBD receptors, the endocannabinoid system and how it affects and what it can treat and what it can't. And I don't want to say treat that's, how it can help your overall wellness because you know how we get in these little sticky points where we can't you know legally say things because we're just not in in the capacity to do that because these government agencies and stuff it's so it's been so difficult with the cbd just to get the banking right to get everything right because they don't even though it's completely harmless as far as like side effects and things like that you just the stigma is still there the stigma is still there about marijuana. They don't even know everything about marijuana. I've been fortunate enough to work with some uh, people in Israel, and Israel's far ahead in medical research as far as cannabis, far light years ahead of everybody else. They got all the right testing equipment. They're doing all the right experiments. They're drawing the right cannabinoids out of the plant and finding out how it affects the CB1 and CB2 receptors, what systems they affect, what they get to do. They just found a cannabinoid uh, to fight cancer, CBG. That's a different cannabinoid beyond CBD that actually eliminated cancer in mice in the, uh, in the digestive system and the rectal cancer. So they're finding new, there's so there's, you know, all kinds of cannabinoids in there, but with the CBD, 
Um, there's a lot of benefits to it. You don't have to take my word for it. I would go online and look for yourself and find for yourself and, and talk to people that take it because there is yeah. quite a few people using it right now, uh, up to 30 Doc- million people. So, Dr. Fellman, Dr. Fellman is going to try your CBD product uh, right once he receives it. Yep. Yeah, we're going to ship going it out. To, he's going to try it. He asks me every day, do they get their CBD product in? You know, and it goes back to, um, I, I know that people, I, we get asked daily about Belbuca, Suboxone. So, I, you know, whatever works for you, works for you. Whether it's Kratom, I'm a huge Kratom supporter. One of my doctors um, who's been targeted had switched all of her patients over to Kratom. I don't use Kratom. I'm a big Kratom supporter. Uh, same with whether it's weed, whether it's hydrocodone, oxycodone, Kratom. Uh, physical therapy, whatever works for the patient, the patient should be allowed. I know there's a lot of people with questions right now, and we're just yeah. want to answer these questions. We have, Je- we have Jenny girl on. She just called in. Hey, Jenny, how are you, how are you doing? Hi, I'm okay. Can you hear me? Yes. Yes. Welcome Perfect. to the show. Hi. Thank you very much. Thank you, Claudia. Hi, Jenny. Hi. How are you? Good. Well, um, this started decades ago for me. Um, and, uh, it all stopped after 2016. Uh, doctors since then have told me I was doctor abandoned, which I kind of knew. And, um, I lost a lot of life sustaining meds. Life has now become very altered. Um, like I said, I've been advocating for myself and, um, I'm just floating through a system that is very, very broken. All right. Can, am I back on you guys? Yes. Yep. You're on. Okay. I didn't, I'm sorry. I got booted out. What was the question again? Really quickly. Can someone tell me the question? Yeah. Jenny, uh, tell her what you were saying again. Well, uh, uh, in 1987, I got extremely, extremely ill. And uh, I was admitted into the hospital. Two days later, I'm on a ventilator, uh, intubated, mm-hmm. and um, I was very, very sick. And uh, I came through, but it was considered uh, double pneumonia with pleurisy. And I went into adult respiratory distress syndrome, which leaves your uh, respiratory system compromised. And over the years, I was told, you'll be on this medication for the rest of your life. And, and what medication that. is that? Was that opioids? I missed the question. Well, part of it was opioids. Part of it was uh, albuterol and inhalers and and a solution for the nebulizing treatments and just a whole host of other things that came along from the hospitalization, a lot of PTSD and mm-hmm. so forth. Mm-hmm. And um, in 2000s, you know, it all went fine until the CDC hit. Sure. And every single med went it wasn't weaned off it was i was just everything went into withdrawal at that point and i right, just right. i just stayed to myself i didn't let anybody know i was completely embarrassed and ashamed and thought what could i have done and i now know i don't think i did anything no um, you didn't and thank you i thank you for your call I, is tim running or is da- i hear somebody running on a microphone right now i hear a sound <laughs> No, um, I think it, I think we had uh, I think we had some microphone. Sometimes uh, I think maybe Jenny was close to her microphone uh, too oh, close. Okay. To get some of it that sound, fe- 
I, it's kind I of sounds like okay. something's rubbing the mic, you know? Yes. Or you were running up the stairs to let your dog out, but, no. um, no, I don't yeah, let him Jenny, out. He just, he just shits okay. and pisses everywhere. All right. Oh, even better. So Jenny, you know, <laughs> like, you know, so here's the good news. What I'm not seeing is people are, are people going into their doctor's office who are on 300 morphine equivalents and getting their head chopped off in one day that, that, the, the cutoff abruptly has ended. And that's because the FDA has um, put out, you know, not a black, black box warning, but don't, don't cut off your patient abruptly because if they blow their head off, it's on you. So I'm not seeing cutoffs anymore. Thank God I'm seeing, but we're definitely still seeing the, the taper or the, how about some Belbuca? And I call it Belbuca, but some people say it's great. I just, I don't want to make them rich. I don't want to make them rich because guess what? You could get oxycodone that costs $4 a month instead of Belbuca, which is going to cost you $900 a month. There's no need for it when there's oxycodone. There's no need. So it's, it's, you know, I tell people all, you know, Belbuca is buprenorphine with a pretty pink bow wrapped on it. But if it works for you, you got to take it. Same with Suboxone, but it's a it's a nightmare. Uh, my doctors tell me, you know, once they see a patient's been on Belbuca, they're not they're they're not going to prescribe, um, especially if they're referred to them. And Belbuca is indicated for pain. Suboxone is not. You know, that's something that we want to we want to address. I I do see a lot of people. Uh, a lot of people are asking for my help for with their legislation. I promise I will make my way over to your state. Um, as soon as I can, I think the country's uh, waiting to see what happens with Rhode Island. Rhode Island will be the first state in the country uh, where the governor signs into chronic intractable pain language. Uh, so I, I know I, I know there's a lot of questions out there right now about legislation. Yeah, um, we have you coming. have all the you have all those uh, questions. If they go to the um, Don't Punish Pain Rally. Uh, web page, or is it on the doctor patient forum? I know you have some information, right, for people that uh, they can email you and you can. Um, yeah. Help. So if you yeah. if so if you need if you need us to advocate for you, that happens through the doctorpatientforum.com. But if you want to, uh, hopefully, get out there and rally because the rallies make everything come together. Um, that's what I should be promoting tonight, and I haven't yes, even touched on absolutely. it really. Good. Oh we need God, to get. So uh, do, you, do you have time to take another caller, Claudia? I I do. Let, let me just say really quickly. You, we can take this caller. Please get out yeah. there and protest on March twentieth. It is imperative. Yeah. Yes. Go ahead. Let's. Yeah. We can take that caller. Hey, you guys. Hey, when you guys get on social media and you see Claudia and you see the Daily Attic podcast and you see us tweet something out there, uh, the Don't Punish Pain rally coming to your town on three twenty, or if it's a later date because of the weather, whatever. Make sure you're getting out there, you're retweeting that, you're putting that on your Facebook, you're spreading the word because we, we need to fight this together. It's going to take more than Claudia and Dr. Feldman and, and Tim and Dave or whoever. It's going to take everybody. So, uh, hey, and there's, and there's, there's so many wonderful advocates throughout the country. I'm not the only person doing this. There's so many people behind the scene, so many wonderful uh, pain coalitions, pain, pain, pain. You know, there's a lot of people out there. Shay, welcome to the show. Thank Hello. you. Okay. Um, so my issue is that my doctors cannot ever keep me 
on my anticonvulsant Lyrica therapy because they denied to bridge me over from second opinions while I'm taking my time. Um, huh? Even on the anticonvulsant side, everything is well blocked. Like, she could have easily done that and completely avoided the need for hospital visit. So it's, All right. it's well, Shay, like, Shay, I'll tell you what, head over to the doctorpatientforum.com, click help and submit a form and doctor will ha we're happy to help you out. Cause that's a medical question. That's, that's more uh, Dr. Feldman. He, but he can help you with that. Okay. Okay. Thank you, Shay. For, thank you. So don't, and we're happy to help you. Just, we need you to fill out that form. I don't like I don't like to cut off people abruptly, but I see that we're going over the six, you know, the hour time frame. And yeah, it and would just finally, yeah, 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 yeah. But because um, there's a lot of medical questions that I don't like to answer for, you know, because I'm not a doctor. Right. Um, but right. there's so many. We have so many wonderful doctors that can help Shay out with that. That's just like another question. It's just like a runaround. These people, you know, they they constantly get the runaround. But I'm gonna let me tell you the life of a pain patient. This is what happens to these people. So let's say their 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 appointment is on a Wednesday. Right around Sunday is when their fear kicks in because they know their pain management appointment's coming up Wednesday. Monday, Tuesday, they can't sleep the night before. They're in their car driving on their way to their pain management appointment. They're like, oh my God, is today the day that I get the ax? They walk into pain management, they wait for the door to open, and then the nurse practitioner comes in or the PA comes in and they're holding their breath because what's going to happen? Is this the day I lose my, is this the day I, I lose my quality filled life? Then everything's okay. For this visit, but that's what that's the angst leading up to every visit. Now they have their script, but now they've got to go through go through that same terror driving to the pharmacy. What's going to happen at the pharmacy? Is the pharmacist going to fill it? Is he not going? Is or is the the pharmacy going to fill it? But my insurance carrier decided they're not paying for opioids anymore. And this is the life of a pain patient. Some have to drive 600 miles to their, find their doctor and another 400 to get it filled. It's obscene. But when they go to the emergency room, that's where the real fun begins. <laughs> I don't mean to mm. laugh because I lived it. And mm. I never, I took my pit bull 84-year-old mother with me everywhere I went because when you're sick, and I mean, I was sick and I would be taken in by rescue. I always had somebody with me. You know, the emergency room is probably where you get treated the worst because they see, you know, they, you know, they've got that prescribing monitor base. That would be such a great thing. The PDMP, which is now weaponized. And so the doctors, they walk into the room they say, okay, j just want to let you know, I'm not giving you any pain medication. Well, hi, nice to meet you. That happened to me one time. You know what I said to the doctor? I said, listen, you leave this room now, you gather your thoughts, and you come back in here, and when you're ready to treat me like a human being, that's when we're going to have this discussion. 
because I would, my mother would jump over the bed and attack a doctor. If a doctor ever walks in and treats you like that, you tell him to eggs or her, leave the room, you gather your thoughts. And when you come back in here, you treat me with the respect that the way, the way you, you want your mother to be treated, that's how you're going to treat me, sweetheart. Mm-hmm. And this is what these people go through. And this is this is wrong. So while I support doctors and while I do what I can to protect them, I'm the first one to sue their ass, especially if they're treating a patient without the compassion they deserve. If they're not living up to the oath they took when they became a doctor, right? I mean, that's what that's all it boils down to is, you know, the patient's or, health is everything. And, it's, and it's I, not that's a point. I wouldn't, I wouldn't, I wouldn't. I would do it's the like, same thing. I would do yeah. the same thing. It's it's, it's absolutely it's decency. Nuts. It's human decency. And you know, I I've looked at a doctor. I said, don't you ever greet a patient of mine. I'm not. Oh, I'm just telling you, I'm not going to treat you. Don't you ever do that again? Because I will take your license quicker than a blink of an eye. That's not how it works. Because without patients, you don't have a job. But right now, without doctors prescribing, patients don't have a life. So. That's why there's the doctor patient forum. <laughs> yeah, and it just adds to the stress. It adds to your oh. to your, you know what I mean? When when you're a pain, when you're a chronic pain patient or you have, you know, you're in pain and you're looking to get your medication and you don't know and you're walking on these eggshells and I'm looking in the chat room here at some of the responses, they're like that's spot on. That's spot on. Uh, their day going to get their medication is a very stressful time and it just adds to the it just adds to the illness because you know, you don't want to feel, you're feeling unsure. You're feeling like, what am I going to walk into? You know, if everybody had a Claudia Mirandi, you know, driving with them to Walgreens every day, I'm sure it wouldn't be no worries. But pre-workout. Pre-workout. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that is, that is, you know, and when I go to, when I walk into a pain management center with a patient, I swear to you, the whole vibe changes. They look at me, I look at them and, and I, I looked one time at a kid, he was young. I said, we cool, bro. Just like that. He's like, yeah, we're, we're good. I was like, okay. Because, you know, I, and I'm all, my job as an advocate for both doctors and patients is to keep the, the peace, is to keep the calm in the room. So I don't come in like a, a crazy person. Um, yeah. Even when I'm at the state house, I, you know, I know how to prevail. conduct myself. Cooler heads Absolutely. Prevail. That's what people don't understand. If you can just sit oh. there and look at somebody in the face and they're getting all mad and you're just, you're just beating them down with facts and words then, you know, it becomes frustrating. The first one to blow up is going to be the first one to blow it. I guarantee I've been in a lot of negotiations and that's what you do. You just do the little, you know, you say the things that, that are true and you say the things that make sense and then you box them in. And, and if you're cool and you're in your deliberate in your approach, then uh, that always prevails. You can never be the mad person because they can just, you know, they'll call security on you or whatever. They'll do what they can. They don't have to listen to you if you're rude or if you yell at them in front of other people. It's just better to be, you know, smooth and cool. But, hey, I wanted to just say something real quick. Um, I think that what you've been able to do with, with your chronic illness and the way you're able to go work out every day and be a fitness competitor and then deal with this stress. And you probably need it to decompress a little bit from the stressful day-to-day of seeing and hearing the stories and, and, and dealing with some of the, the, you know, some of the people on the, in the law enforcement side and 
on the medical side, but that's a real inspiration to people, not only as an advocate, but I think, you know, the fact that you're, you're, you're dealing with your own issues and you're very open about it, but you're also finding the strength to go work out, you know, to me, that's, that's real inspiring because, you know, I don't have any pain right now and I'm not working out. I'm like, I need to, right. I need to get my right, ass right. over there and start working out. You yeah. Know? Well, so you I know, think, it, uh, you it's, know, it's, it's, it's uh, you're a very strong person. So well, it's important. You know, I just said to, to my, you know, I said, thank you. But I said to my mom today, I woke up, I was like, I don't feel good. And, and I don't, I don't say that often. I don't like my kids to hear me say that. I was like, I feel like I'm coming out of remission. And then I realized, oh, it's the week, you know, it's five days before I get treatment. And it all, you know, like five days before treatment, oof, it feels, it feels like, wow, how, you know, three days before treatment. And I've got to wait. I used to get treatment every nine weeks. Now it's every five and pretty soon it's going to be every four. But if I didn't have the gym, it would be very bad for the country. (laughs) And, and, you know, it, it hurts. I'm always in, I'm in pain every day of my life. Um, and there's days on that Stairmaster, I grit my teeth, but you know, for me, uh, it's how I deal, Uh, but I'm sick. I'm sick like everybody else. And you know, people like, well, you don't look sick. And if I look like that, you know, you get all the crazy shit, but yeah, Mm. I was accused of, I was accused this past week from one of the haters of, um, you know, looking, the way I look. Well, I put, I take pride in how I look. I'm a very vain individual and I like to look good. Mm -hmm. I like to, I like to smell good too, but it's, um, you know, it's yeah. Working out for me at all. It, it, it makes everything make sense. Um, after I work out, it all comes together for me. And you know, when I, when I, when I advocate for people, um, you're like, well, I can't, you know, I can't work out because I'm in too much pain. But I'm like, you know what? There's always something you can do, whether it's in a chair. And I help people. I'm like, let me make up a diet for you. Let let's let's change. Let's how about we try to quit um, smoking two packs a day to maybe one pack a day? Because I'm not the Aaron Brockovich of opioids. I'm a person where, for me, I've tried everything and opioids gave me my life back and I was able to get my colostomy bag reversed but it uh, it's I'm a proactive person and I take I do everything in moderation so and, and that's a lifestyle that I like to promote without being attacked for it yeah um yeah. you know you do your I best try, I try to do the same thing moderation is the key you can definitely yeah. abuse anything and I could have abused those uh, donuts this morning, but I chose not sure. to. I had one day. Yeah, I did. You, I did. Abused you abused them. them? Yeah, well, yeah. But I it's a donuts. choice, right? We got to be responsible. Sugar is like the worst drug ever. Yeah. I mean, yeah, that kills yeah. more people than any drug. It is. Period. You know, it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's funny because we had a doctor's appointment with a surgeon last week and uh, we're not, talking. Not me and Tim. No, not me and you. <laughs> no, no, me and my wife. And right. she was asking about, you know, my wife is usually very hush hush about the marijuana. And that whenever we go to doctor's offices, she's always like, eh, 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 no, 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 no. Well, the surgeon, she came in and she was such a smart, bright lady. And she came in very, you know, she came in the room, you know, she just came in the room and owned it and just introduced herself and said, this made us feel uncomfortable. And my wife's like, yeah, I smoke marijuana. And she's like, oh, well, you know. 
smoking it still has carcinogens. She goes, but I, I'm not judging. I'm not judging. You know, you do what you got to do because I can't get, I can't stay away from sugar. I can't mm-hmm. go through the grocery line without grabbing a pack of goldfish crackers and a Kit Kat or whatever. She goes, so I understand. I understand. Like, you know, I'm not trying to judge. And, and I thought that was pretty big. I thought that was pretty good. And, and it made me even feel better because it's like, you know, we all have our little vices and we all have things we like to do. And as long as we're not hurting anybody else or really hurting sure. our body, you know, if you can have a glass of wine, you can have a bottle of wine, but, you know, don't send your liver into shock by slamming a 12 pack in an hour and a half. You know, there's right. just ways you do things, you know, and it, uh, I think it's, it's teaching, healthy to do that, actually. I think and it's, it's healthy. And it's teaching our kids the same thing. You know, I know people like, I don't want to hear about your kids, but you guys, you and I, we've had this discussion before about addiction and, you know, why it happens. And, you know, we t- talked about my, si- my, both of my siblings are adopted and they come from addicts. And so my mom raised her daughters with, okay, your parents were addicts, so you can't drink, you can't smoke, you can't. You can't do anything because you're already 50%. There's a 50% chance. So a lot of you could become addicted and it's raising our kids with these good values. You know, my 14 year old, I'll say, Ava, dig deep for that willpower. You got to dig deep. But mom, I want McDonald's. I said, but you had it three days ago and we're Italian and we cook seven days a week. You got to dig deep for the willpower. But you shouldn't yeah, have to yeah. dig deep to have to find pain management. You no. just shouldn't. No, you it's know? been it's been ongoing battle. We appreciate it. Uh, it's been a good show today. We've had a lot of listeners, yeah, a lot of activity you guys. In, the, in the chat yeah, room. You. Hey, you guys, thanks for calling in. Thanks for checking us out. Uh, we really appreciate it. Make sure you check Claudia out. Don't forget on 320 is the rally, the Don't Punish Pain rally going on check your local check the the website make sure if there's one in your state you go there support them and then of course the doctor patient forum you can check them out if you need advocate talk to a doctor thank you